BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Oh, I got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line again. Coming at you live from the Copples Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Lincoln, the Huskers have rolled again. They're up by four touchdowns. Kansas State, Bishop still at quarterback. Brought it down the middle. That's intercepted downfield. Still with the football is Walker. Joe Walker, one block, and he could get in. Oh, baby, what a return that was. 71 yards for Walker. Put him at tailback. Freshman from Arlington, Texas, the third team rover. Boy, Michael Bishop, he really takes a beating. Gets knocked down once, gets held, going to try to make the tackle, falls down. Boy, that's a tough throw, and it's a tough play after the throw for poor Michael Bishop. Dang. Feezy. Yeah. How important is developing young players at a young age? You say how important? Yeah. Uh, it's very important because it's going to solidify their career. Uh, you know, especially trying to you know, get kids to catch up to the speed of the game and get getting them, you know, acclimated with the plays and 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 all and all that. You know, <laughs> as a true freshman, you got. I mean, the game is not waiting on you. You got to be ready to go right away. You got to be able to transition from high school to college and and, and the fast pace the speed, and also understand the playbook and understand what you're doing on the field. How? What, what was your most memorable game? In college or? Let's go college first. first. College, Just college period. Um, huh? Just college period. College period, the game that stood out for me was the uh, Oklahoma State game down in Arrowhead, Kansas City. And that game – 
it was a nail biter because Oklahoma State was, for the most part, they was winning throughout the game, and it was uh, ninety eight. Uh, it was a first year Coach Solich uh, took over the team after Coach Osborne, and we was trying to do a repeat. We just won that championship in ninety seven, so we we're trying to get back to the national championship and win back to back, like. Uh, 94 and 95 season. And that 98 season, we was ranked number one. But at one point of the game, I believe it was the fourth quarter, and we was um, – Oklahoma State went up, I believe, seven points. And I think it was probably five minutes left in the game. Everybody, So everyone on the sideline was panicking like, dang, they up. Five minutes left in the game, and we lose this game. There goes our season, and we playing at Arrowhead. And it's you know it was a big game. I think it was a Saturday night game, I, I believe. And the whole world is watching. So everyone is panicking, and you can see it on on, on the players' faces and the coaches' faces. And we went out. Okay, they had already scored, and then we. Uh, they kicked the ball off, and we went we went three and out. The offense went th- three and out. So it was like, whoa, we really started panicking. So the defense had to go back on the field. And we went back on the field, and we stopped them. And, and we was like, okay, we stopped them. We need to, now it's time you know, to get, get the offense back the ball so they can go down and score a tie the game. Uh, so they punt the ball off. I was at punt return. And I filled the ball, and I returned – the punt return for like seven and nine yards to put us in position to tie. Well, we tied. So now the game has turned, you know, <laughs> the excitement and the, um, the momentum of, of the game had, had turned. So here we are now we tied. And I think it was like maybe three minutes left in the game at that, at that point. But that punt return that I made was a major Key point of the game, turn you know, tie turn around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we tied him and turn around the momentum. So now we like, oh shit, we got life now, you know. So that game was very uh, one of you know the games that I do remember, like probably that I would had a major impact on. No, I would say that game. And then what about what's your most memorable hit? Hit, I would say. Um, mm, that's a good question. It was so many. Our defense was so dominant. It was like most teams couldn't even get past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so it was. I, I would say probably we played against Texas, uh, and Ricky Williams uh, was the running back. Did you and know when y'all was, played against Texas? Did you know a lot of them boys out there? Oh, I knew half of the team because these guys that I played high school ball against, mm. I guess. You know, I came out of high school, I was uh, All-American and uh, a Mac- McDonough All-American. So then, back then, a lot of people don't remember, before the Under Armour uh, had a all-star team like how the guys and kids today, they played in Under Armour. So back then, it was the Mac- McDonough All-Star mm-hmm. All-American game. So I, a lot of those guys that was on Texas, I played with them 
in 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 that game. So I kind of got to you know know some of these guys and build a relationship. So once we got to college, it was more you know we were familiar with one another. But uh, yes, playing against Texas, Texas had Rick William at running back, and they, you know they played us up in Lincoln. I believe that's probably the first game we ever lost at home, and that that's when they had Applewhite at quarterback and Rick William at running back, and I made a uh, a major hit on Rick William on the sideline. So that's probably one of my uh, uh, highlight moments. Of making a a major hit. What what was the loudest games you played? But, but you know what? Hold on, I take that hmm. back. I would I take that back. We played against our state in Nebraska, and I remember coming around the corner, and I sacked the quarterback at the same time. I sacked him, and I recovered the fumble, the fumble, all in one play. So I would say that's that's a major highlight as well. What what was the loudest game you played in and where? The loudest game, I would say my freshman year we played up in Seattle against mm. uh, out I me mean Washington Huskies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that stadium, I don't know the the, um, <laughs> the way they got that stadium built, and it I mean the the noise factor is. Is very very major. I think it's because it was right off the ocean and and the way they I don't know it's the way that they built it. It was I, a yeah it was a, it was like it was aluminum or something like that. Yeah, so the, right. Yeah, so the 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 noise we remember we had to crank the noise up in practice because mm-hmm. the decimals there are gonna be so and it was just like we get there and it's 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 loud, but I think it was more loud for us than it was for them. Yeah, for the exact. I mean, because it, it was their home stadium, and they were used to it. But this was no, and it was like a dome that was halfway. So it was kind of the when when the fans was yelling, it was like a echo effect, bounce off the walls or the stadium, and and then, and it was just center. The the vocals was just you know center the the, the field. It was all bouncing back to the field. Now, with you you guys being, I'm talking to, you know, all the guys that you played with, Buck, all you guys that were freshmen in that class that won the championship that actually had a chance to play because you guys actually had more. Sweeney was in there, you know, as far as playing as a true freshman. I think Matt Davison played as a true freshman. He was in that class. Am I missing anybody for true freshman? Uh, Davison, uh, Correll, Buck Halter yeah. was part of that class. Who was a corner that played? I thought it was a corner. No, nah, because Ralph would have been there. Cor- yeah, the Sweeney. corner was Sweeney. Uh, Ralph was on one side and Irwin was on the other side. How – what was the difference being that you played on the championship team, the last championship team, and what was the difference the next three years? What was the difference in the mentality? Was there a difference in the mentality? Why could? Why don't you think you guys could get it done? To be honest with you, I think we had the talent on the team to get it done. It was just so much changes that had that was taking place. I mean, you gotta understand when you have a a, a caliber coach like Coach Osborne, and now you go from coached by Coach Osborne to Coach Solis. Not saying Coach Solis wasn't a good coach, but it was kind of thrown into that position. 
And it was like, oh, okay, now what we do? It was it was a it was a major adjustment, you know what I'm saying? For everybody, for the players and also for the coaches. So What was different I, though? Was it practice? Was it the way coach talked to you before the team? Um you know what changed? I, I know Coach Solis changed. I always say the only thing that should have changed was the fact that the height difference. But other than that, you know, did practice change? Did or was it just no, leadership style? No, I don't think much. For us to practice, much didn't, didn't change. I mean, I mean, the coaches that was there, they was used to knowing the normalcy of how the practice supposed to go because they've been coaching, what, 10 to 20 years in this organization. So they was familiar how practice supposed to go. I think it was more – I think it was more the pieces – how I can put this? I think uh, I don't know. It, it you did, went the, from, the puzzle didn't quite fit. You said what? I, I always say I I say leadership. I say some there's yeah. something missing. Leadership, the leadership on the team switch that for one. Yeah, the leadership that they had in place wasn't the right leadership. And, As a play, from a player perspective or a coach's perspective players okay yeah. yeah yeah players perspective it starts guys, it starts with the players yeah the guys that they had in leadership wasn't the guys that was going to lead the team I don't, they didn't have much camaraderie with the with most of the players on the team i think like how coach solis was placed in the position the leadership of the players was placed in those positions i felt that it wasn't earned like, you know, because a lot of those guys that was in leadership, they wasn't major factors the year before on the name seven national championship team. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it's Don't like, you. okay, who you got? Y'all ain't proving nothing. Y'all wasn't, you know, at that time they had, what, Vanderbosch? But Vanderbosch hadn't played. He wasn't uh, no starter. He played a little what? bit. He played. Vanderbosch was – I don't, I think Vanderbosch would play as a true freshman too. He played. No, Van, no, Vanderbosch was redshirted. Did he? A freshman. Well, yeah. but he, but after he got through, he played a little bit. Not, not as yeah, much. He played, but he played. Yeah, on he scout played because he was put in the, that position in '98. Oh, I got you. Because you '97 that championship team, we had. Uh, yeah, you're right. Grant Wisdom, and, Grant and Wisdom Kelsey, was and Rucker, and and Rucker. You know. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of those guys was. That they put in leadership, they they didn't know how to lead because they haven't done anything. So it's like, oh, we was the leadership wasn't there. What does that guy look like? That leader that you're talking about. What what is his mentality and what what does he look like? A leader to me has got to be a guy that's on the field. That's uh, first first of all leading by example, making plays on the field. Because when you're dealing with a lot of alpha male players, you can't just do the talking and not do the walking. So first of all, you got to be a player that making plays on the field. Then you got to be able to be able to, to relate to all demographics of of of, of athletes, mm-hmm. regardless. You know, if you don't don't know how to adapt and don't know how to interact or know how to socialize with multiple demographics then you can't be a leader 
you know, because you got to understand in, in, in football, you have a lot of guys from different demographics, backgrounds, state, city, culture, all that. And Positions. it's all coming together as one group. And everybody got to be, you got to be a very cohesive group. So to lead, you got to understand all those aspects of each and every person. Hmm. No, I, I'm I'm with you 100, 150%. Talking with Joe Walker uh, on the ticket 93.7, it's the captain. Uh, Joe, what would you say uh, in this era of football is missing at Nebraska? I think Nebraska need to get – they need a little more, like, dog in them. No, I don't see no like no real like like nasty football. You need some nasty football. I mean, it's part of the game. Football is a violent sport. You can't play a violent sport and then have players that don't have that 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 killer instinct. I mean, everybody know that to be a great player to have a great team, you gotta have a killer instinct. Michael Jordan had a killer instinct. You know. Uh, Cobra Bryant have killer instincts. Uh, even uh, Tom Frazier. Tom Frazier had killer instincts. When it was time to make a play, he knew how to make a play. When he played against Florida, in Florida, and these guys are kids that's out the projects. You know, you got guys that's, that's rough. Football's a rough sport, so you got coaches just recruiting rough kids out of environments that is rough. So I think Nebraska need to get back to those type of caliber players that's that's rough and tough and and nasty and just want to just dominate, you know. And if you go back and look at nine to four, nine to five, and nine to seven national championship teams, those were the type of guys that was on the field, nasty, rough, tough, and and just want to dominate. They don't have that no more. They got. They don't have those can you players. Can you coach that, or, or is that something that's already in the player? It's all about recruitment. So you got to recruit these type of players. Then once you recruit these type of players, then you got to coach it. So you harness it, and you know when to release it and when not to release it. <laughs> you know, but first you got to you got to recruit it. I mean, you can't you can't you can't recruit a player that don't have no 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 dominant type of app uh uh type of um personality. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a dominant type of personality, then you can't coast it. Oh, you can put all the X's and O's you want on the on the board, but if this player don't have that dominant appetite in, in his spirit, then he's not gonna go and dominate the guy in front of him. You know, you can't coast that. It's something that's gotta be in you instinctively. You know, and like, you can't coach a Michael Jordan. Be like, oh, I'm going to take this kid. He scored 30 points. I'm going to make him a Michael Jordan. No. You know how many people have been trying to be a Michael Jordan but don't have it? Because they don't have that killer instinct. It started with that. Mm. You, you know, that's why when people say, you see how great Mike uh, LeBron James is? He got the size, whatever, you know, all this. But people still say he's not a Michael Jordan because he don't, he don't have, have a killer, killer Yeah, when, when, the, when the game is on the line, he, don't, he run from the ball sometimes. Exactly, yeah, and instead so of, that's the same way in football. It. Yeah, when the game is on the line, do you got players on the field that got killer instincts? They gonna make a play right now, like a Terrell McFarland. I mean, you couldn't coach what Terrell is to do. He, 
all of a sudden this man diving over the over the uh, uh, the line of scrimmage, tackling uh, second quarterbacks, blocking uh, punt, punt. You can't coach that. That's just something you just got to have in you. Yeah, but you being a little league coach, let's talk about this. So. For the ticket fans and Husker fans, Joe, you know you 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 run a little league organization. What is that organization? And when you talk about development, don't it start at that level? Oh yeah, it started at that level most definitely. I got a youth organization here in Dallas, um, DFW Ravens. Um, you know we got highlights and and games on the YouTube. Uh, you, you know you can go on YouTube and put up D- DFW Ravens. And my organization, uh, uh, kids that I got, I got dominant kids that, you know, I'm able to, you know, coach and, and uh, lead them into battle. And, you know, we one of the top organizations in the whole state of Texas. We're well-known throughout, I mean, well-known throughout the country. We're going to play teams from Florida, Georgia, and California. Um, and these kids, in my organization, I've been coaching for 10 years, uh, and a lot of these kids are, you know, transitioning from high school and now going into college. So I got 10 kids right now that played in my organization that they all going to play D1 football. They all got scholarships from Texas to Oklahoma to Alabama. And, you know, these type of kids that I'm coaching. You didn't say Nebraska. You know, Hey, come on, Nebraska, man! Unfortunately, you ain't me you Nebraska ain't got... really is not doing much recruiting. <laughs> I've been trying to reach out to Nebraska and give them some kids, but it's like I don't know what's going on in there in, in Nebraska organization. They're missing out on a lot of talent in this in this area, and I mean I don't know who's running the recruitment uh, aspect of it, but they're missing out on a lot of talent. And these kids that teams like Alabama, Michigan, and Texas, and Oklahoma is coming in and scooping up. And, you know, How many kids did you have that came through your program went D1 this year? Ten. I got ten of them right now wow. on D1. What school? Next year, and next year I'm going to have ten more that's going D1. Well, good, because once understand. you start pumping them, it's a pipeline. It's a pipeline, yeah. But, you know, teams like Alabama and Texas and A&M and Michigan, they coming in and scooping these kids. I, I don't know what Nebraska doing. To be honest Who with. is your highest ranked recruit in what school and what position? I got a kid right now going to Texas, offensive lineman. Uh, his, his last night, Campbell. He's the number one, number one or number two offensive lineman here in the state of Texas. How big is he? Six, four, two, ninety-five. Wow. And the kid is. Dominant, athletic. I mean, he's been like that since a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's funny Dominant. when we coach the when we coach high school or little leaguers. You know, a, a, a lot of times us as coaches that coach little leaguers, we know which kids are going to go on to the next level. Now, there's some surprises, but for the most part, you know what the work ethic that they had in little league, what they're going to be mm-hmm. when they get to the next level. Yeah. Or they're gonna turn out, yeah, because you you see it firsthand, you know, before they even make it to high school, and you know you see how they respond in practice, you see how they re, um, they work ethic as a child, and what type of attitude they have as a child, you know, all that is it's all about what's developing in the, in the kid and, and how he's gonna grow 
and, and what he going to mold, mold into in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the kids, you know, you see, yes, you see the uh, talent in them as a child and, what, and the work ethic that they have. What's changed with the mentality of the players? I mean, you was a little league once. You're running a little league now. You've been around major football as far as Nebraska, and then you played in the league as well. Are the players changing or the game changing? I think it's the game changing. The game is kind of getting real soft. I mean, everybody wants to pass the ball. I don't. No one want to take the ball and run it down no someone's throat. Only by this. Only if you look at and examine sports right now. Look at all the key teams that are winning. Most other time, like the Alabamas and the Georgia, they gonna dominate the line of scrimmage. Meaning they gonna run the ball down your throat. Then they gonna mix in some passes. A lot of teams' approach is pass first. But you haven't dominated that line of scrimmage yet, so now you're you're you 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 trying to come in from the back door instead of coming in through the front door, which is like when we was playing in Nebraska. We what what Coach Osmond would say: we're gonna dominate the line of scrimmage first. That means we're gonna run the ball down down their throat, and we're gonna get penetration on defense with the defensive lineman. And it's dominating line of scrimmage. Once you dominate the line of scrimmage, you control the game at that point. You know what's funny? You know what's funny, though, is when you say that as far as dominating the line of scrimmage? We used to have to dominate the line of scrimmage. for Matt, the running backs, that the hits that they took that we don't see. You see the big runs. You see the 50-yard runs. But how about the 15 runs that only gained one yard or you got nailed in the backfield. See, people don't understand that that it's it's consistency. We were consistently yep. hitting, 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 and then we would pop one big, whether that's in the pass game or the run game. Game is changing a little bit. Players still the same. I think it's a little bit opposite of that. I think the players are changing, and I think the game, well, I think it's both. The game is changing as well because it is a soft – we are teaching a little bit softer – a football player. We're teaching. I mean, did you watch the Pro Bowl? It's a software approach. It's a software approach. Did you watch the but Pro the Bowl? But the team that are winning not taking that, that approach. They still on the, oh, no, we're going to dominate. Did I, okay, so, <laughs> listen, Joe, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, did you watch that Pro, Pro Bowl? Uh, you talking about the uh, flag football game? Yeah, thank you. We'll be right back. I'm with Joe Walker, the captain, the ticket, 93.7. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 